Castle episode 111. So this episode's the second part of the the one I was doing the other week of my, my thoughts on taking a break from new music for a while. So those of you who haven't heard this so far, or, you know, I, I didn't sort of actually make the sort of mission statement of that that clear early in the year, I had the idea at the start of, well, towards the end of 2021, where I was getting a bit burnt out on on music but having you know that issue everyone has where you, the genres that previously hit amazingly well were just not exciting me in the same way they should and when friends were really into a certain bit of music I wasn't getting that same excitement so I decided as an experiment to take some time off of new music I originally suggested a year but that's not quite where it's gone but the the idea was to take some time where I literally only listened to music that was in my iTunes. So I gave time to all those albums from 2021, 2020 that I had sort of in passing knew were brilliant, but had um, sort of, you know, glossed over in, in the whole chase of the next cool thing. Or a lot of older albums I'd owned for... A lifetime and just never got into you know that way you have a classic band where you've seen their cds say cheap when you were younger picked them up listened to them once and never gone back that that kind of um yeah so i wanted to sort of address that balance and spend a good few months only focusing on stuff i already owned to try and light a bit of fire under myself and force myself to really dig deep on certain releases rather than always chasing the new high, always going for the the cutting edge of what's out right now. And mainly the concept was, like, either to gain that greater appreciation of that stuff I already had, and to give myself an excitement to returning to what's new. And um, I thought I'd do, like, this this two-part series was just me discussing kind of what I learned along the way, so... We're now well into July, and I think I'm finally... I'm going to call it. I'm not going to do the whole year, because realistically, the, more than anything, I want to go back to new music. I am now thoroughly excited to get back to stuff that I didn't already like own or know well. Um, and that's awesome. As I say, like six months ago, I, I totally sort of lost that fire, and that is well and truly returned and I am ludicrously excited to check out all the stuff I've been neglecting by keeping myself forcibly away for six months. It's built that anticipation. In many ways it's created, and I don't know how much this will be familiar of a feeling, but I always remember it as like a teenager when I get into a band because, you you know, when you're, you're liking metal, a lot of your stuff you enjoy is little bit off the beaten track and like not crazily so but i remember stuff like seeing um exodus's music video for um war is my shepherd off of their 2005 album tempo of the damned and just loving that video like loving that song so much um but to get a copy of that album i went to like hmv and fop and all those various shops and no one had them so i had to order it in so that that album turned out like oh the time between me hearing that song and just hearing the album for the first time was like two months. And the the way that built like excitement was kind of incredible. Now, 
I'm not nostalgic for that as a as a principle. The idea that you you know it was that difficult to get music. This is 2005. Like, it was just before that point where every album was just loose on YouTube. You'd have to go through slightly illegal means if you wanted to hear it. I'm not excited for that at all. But it is that idea of like by forcibly giving me myself some distance from from the stuff I want to check out. Things like the new Artificial Brain, the new Chasm album. Stuff I'd be like, you know, would have grabbed the second they dropped if I wasn't imposing some harsh rule on myself, has recreated a little bit of that, like, childhood uh, energy you can have with that. I don't know. We've got to be careful of pining for a time that's long past because, you know, the, the upshot of a lot of that difficulty to grab new music was that you just didn't get hold of stuff you really wanted to hear. So... You know, like, <laughs> gotta be careful of the nostalgia. But, like, yeah, so, in the general sense, like, they, I have managed to artificially recreate, like, sort of a, a level of excitement for new music I briefly missed out on. And like, I think I missed out on by my own choice to oversaturate. Like, I imagine a lot of you will never have lost that drive of, like, new music is just immediately exciting. So, that's, you know... <laughs> that's the way to be you always want to be in that mindset but um we all need to take breaks in certain ways like i, I think for myself like weird thing i kind of realized and i don't know if i've said this on the podcast before is i've genuinely it occurred to me since i was about 14 15 i have not gone a week in my life without listening to a load of metal that's only i don't mean that so much as a brag but that's like um yeah, I realise I'm that sort of deeply into it that I, I just, I won't do that thing where I take a month and just go, like, alright, I'm just listening to jazz, disappearing off into other territory, and maybe maybe for next year, if I get a bit burnt out come January time, that's what's, that's maybe the thing to do, go go get deep into the world of classical or, or you know, some other genre that is just totally unconnected, a, a totally different style, but because of how, what I hang out and, and what I listen to, like, it, it's just all, like, metal is always present there because friends will always be like, oh, have you checked out this metal album? I do this podcast, so I, I want to be up on it. I want to know stuff because I want there to be some reason I'm still interesting to listen to to, to some extent, as, as conceited as that sounds. But, yeah, like, I, I, so I want to always know my stuff so I can never justify taking time away and this was I guess as close as I could do to that so I don't think there's any massively interesting conclusion at the end of this beyond like it has given me the fire for new music again um I don't know that I'd advise other people try doing things this way the the one thing I think I stated in the last episode like the most fun bit of this by a mile is if you do commit to this idea that you you know, I'm going to take a bit of a break from new music. You can have that build up, like say, say, yeah, like I'm going to stop two months' time. Two months lead up, you can just go mad and buy all the stuff on Bandcamp you want, and go like, well, I've got, I've got months afterwards to listen to all of this, so I can, I can pick up every sort of whimsical, most like, I'll grab that whole discography of a band that exclusively release hour and a half concept albums. I'm sure I'll find time to listen to all of that. 
spoiler, however long a break you take, you will not. Like, <laughs> this, this is the thing as well. I, I, like, stacked my music library with all these cool things to check out, and having having a scroll for it now, I'm like, yeah, there's still a couple albums in there that I never got to. I, I thought it'd be interesting to, um, to get into, but, uh, yeah, never quite made it to that point. So, anyway, last episode, I talked about a couple of categories of sort of where my listening had gone in this experiment. Again, um, reiterating what I said last time, this is incredibly self-indulgent, but hopefully I can put a few cool album reviews in there and that'll at least be fun. So the, the, the sort of three categories I hit last time were super long albums, your proper like double disc experiences I got to kind of dive into a bit more deeply. Full discographies, that, that kind of listening to everything a band has put out, demos and all, start to finish like they're seeing that journey and old classics albums that were you know stuff i should know inside out and had completely kind of missed and glossed over which is you know bound to happen to all of us everyone has blind spots and that kind of stuff but it is always nice to catch up on those because there's there's something to that sort of archiving of older stuff i've really enjoyed that sort of knowing the full history of a scene or at least the kind of populist history of a scene is really interesting <laughs> obviously you'll never dive right to the bottom there is the infinite depths of cool demo tapes however much you zoom in on any any scene but like going through the kind of like having just in your your kind of uh your lexicon that kind of like just to mind like if someone mentions like the new york death metal scene you've got the 20 albums that are the first three or four years of that are just something you know inside out it's really cool to kind of clarify some of that and particularly looking back at the 90s there is that ability to sort of know the majority of a very specific scene in a very specific area whereas like now obviously the the sort of the barriers to entry on making music have been so much removed that'll never be possible again so like the the thing i found taking a break in 2020 from new music is it keeps going like so many bands have released so much that i will never truly catch up on like there will forever be a little bit of a blind spot from the six months i've taken off Anyway, so yes, what I want to do with the rest of this episode is just talk about a load of cool albums I've got into that either I was like aware of but not deeply in love with at the time, or stuff that you know really had sat completely neglected in my music library that I can recommend to you. This will be a combination of stuff going as far back as the eighties, but primarily focused on stuff as um, from the last two years. And after this point. Um, this is kind of the the call for I am back to listening to new music. So all of you have sent me links to stuff I, you know, felt like they were in my wheelhouse. I will work my way through through in the next few weeks. And and for the rest of you, please like hit me up with your links of stuff you think I'd like. I'm I'm now back to checking out everything and anything. So yeah, if you if you've got if you've come across an album recently you think would align with my tastes, like, yeah, hit me up, let me know, and, uh, you know, fingers crossed there'll be something I end up um, reviewing on here. So, yeah, that'd be really cool. So, yeah, get in touch with that stuff. So, getting into a couple of things I've been listening to recently, I think we'll start with a series of things that are kind of more clean vocal, like, because 
as a whole of this podcast, I tend to fairly exclusively focus on the um, the, the the black and death metal camps. Like, I, I, I do like a lot of clean singing music, but it just doesn't come up anywhere near as often. So um, I think it'd be fun to get into a few of those bands that I've got sort of really into recently. Firstly, like a relatively like new act um, I've been really enjoying the last few days is um, Fierce Deity from Australia with their second EP, Power, Wisdom, Courage. This is a really cool project. It's um, a one-man band, like uh, Jonathan Barwick does the vocals, bass, guitar, keyboards, drum programming. And this band feel like if like the best parts of Grand Magus when a bit more prog rock. It's um it's one of those EPs where it's three songs, but it's over thirty minutes long, so I think almost you could call it a less ambitious album. It's uh it's still very worth your time if you're not normally someone who uh, goes in for the EPs and the um the sort of the cover as well very much drew me in with this amazing sort of green, purple, and red color palette of this character in the woodland, um, and this this is something where I th- I think the core of it is built around fantastically bombastic, catchy choruses. Like the the opening track, "Power," has as a sing along chorus that will be stuck in your head for for weeks to come afterwards. The um, the lyrical themes seem to be heavily influenced by uh, Legend of Zelda, complete with the second track, Wisdom, having the lead in line to the chorus being Hey Listen. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I enjoy a little um, a little nod to kind of computer games and stuff like that in, in this style of music. But it, he gets so much right with this band. Um, John's, like, his playing is, is fantastic. The guitar work isn't sort of ludicrously flashy at any point. Um, there's some there's some cool bits of lead guitar. The the riffs are relatively straightforward. Actually, some of the more fancy playing is, like, on the, the sort of keyboards in this. But what really sells it is the way he delivers the vocals. So it's got a really solid mix to it. Like, it, it's very clean and clear. But the... Um, he he's a great singer, amazing sort of heavy metal voice, but he also adds like loads of layers of um, kind of choral vocals in the background. I don't know if it's it's sort of guest singers, how much it's kind of um, synthesized or what, but it's um, it, yeah, it's a lot of um, a lot of additional voice building up before every big line, which gives it yeah this this kind of natural sense of epicness. To add to the the thing, we've got a couple of guest uh, guitar solo performances. So Nick DeSalvo of Elder fame, he's the vocalist and lead guitarist for Elder, turns up for a solo. And uh, Joe Haley, a uh, fellow Australian um, of psychroptic guitar fame, adds some guitar in there as well. So there's, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's some cool names in there. And honestly... Those guys don't feel out of place on this. This really does feel like a very polished product for for such a new band. I think they've only been going since like twenty twenty, and as I say, it's it's this one man's like vision. But yeah, fierce deity. I I really do think uh on something unique. I I want to hear more from them because I just want more of these choruses. Like they are so good at doing throwing these heavy metal choruses into this more kind of um grandiose progressive metal sound. To the heavens I stare, wandering wide. 
time I listen to that, it reminds me of um, the Armageddon album where Chris Amott does all the clean vocals. Kind of a similar voice, but certainly a like major step more heavy than that album, and far more consistent. Anyway, another um, another band I've been getting really into over this period is the kind of still running new wave of British heavy metal band Satan. Uh, and as you can guess, any band with a name like Satan has been going for a, a really long time to have st- like kind of claimed a unique claim to a name that simple, much like um, Hell, who uh, reformed relatively recently for a couple of albums and uh, a few live shows. Um, yeah, Satan, um, in one form or another, have been active since 1979, and they're a Newcastle-based band. Amazingly, their lineup, although they've had some degree of hiatus in this time, features every member who was on their, uh, I believe, yeah, every member who was on their 1983 debut, Caught in the Act. Um, but the album there's I've been getting really into is their 2018 release, Cruel Magic, um, which is just a fantastic example of an old band coming back and, well, not even coming back, like, they, 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 had a brief hiatus in the early 2000s but actually you know have done quite like almost more of their career is post 2000 than it is pre but um yeah it's just a fantastic example of a band still being completely capable of writing cool rocking heavy metal despite you know the average age of the band must be approaching their 60s like if they they've been active you know at this point 40 years like these these guys have really sort of been around the block but still still are making kind of amazing music now that comes with the caveat this is truly new wave of British heavy metal it is not uh it's not one of those bands who actually by hell are quite an example of um hell kind of because one of their members when the reforming i believe was andy sneep they kind of had more of a move to a modern heavy style satan still carry an incredible old school vibe like i imagine this album was recorded to a click but it really has that feel of like a band playing in a room like you 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 get the sense that the you know the the drummers bass player guitarists all locking in in that kind of way and the riffs have that sort of sensibility to them the the guitar work is still like fantastic but it's not um it is not flashy in a modern sense it's flashy in a in an 80s sense and the 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 big thing i think actually that really anchors this to that older scene is the way the drums sound the drums are not that kind of wall of double kicks it's far more muted and just throwing everything on the snare as the the driver of the groove on each song uh what i I kind of really love about it is the the vocals brian ross has 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 an amazing voice he's he's more of a uh sort of um mid-range singer but um yeah he he's sort of he just has a lot of power to his vocals and can just write an incredible chorus. Like I, I think that that sort of really kind of um, sets this apart from a lot of like their contemporary bands. His cruel magic is ten songs, and I'd say all of them have a really kind of rocking, memorable chorus, which is just exactly what you want from this kind of style. Loads of solid riffing. Um, 
And then the, the cool kind of like nods and updates in their sound is everything's just that touch tighter. Um, we, we get a cool uh, Eleron Cantor album cover as well of that, that picture of the, the kind of Satan have much like Maiden or any of those bands. They've got a mascot character of this 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 judge. But uh, I think the particular cover for Cool Magic um, really really struck me as is quite a quite a potent image. Um, also, they they apparently have a new album out from a uh, from twenty twenty two that I, again I'll be very excited to get into Earth Rituals. Um, but yeah, for the time being, I didn't need a lot more than Cruel Magic. I need I need to go back to their early stuff as well. But it was just this one album. I think um, a few people recommended to me a while ago, and I finally got round to it. And yeah, it, it's it's just so cool to see a band who have you know been working this long on the thing and and haven't lost it, haven't they in any way sort of sold out sort of the principles of what they were doing earlier on. They're just still in that vein producing music that just has the slight advantage of you know modern recording techniques I made a bit of a conscious effort as well with like picking up all these various albums to get into a few different genres and uh, one I tried to sort of dip my toe into a bit more which I often neglect is, is power metal and um, a few I picked up were based off this uh, list from yourlastrights.com um, uh, friend Matthias shared in the Into the Combine group of top 30, 30 power metal albums of 2021. I actually found Fierce Deity through that list although I would very much debate uh, Fierce Deity's inclusion in, in that that kind of style. But yeah, it, it did introduce me to a, a few other like really interesting bands. Firstly, Japan's Galnerius with their um like 15th or something album, uh, The Union Gives Us Strength. So this one, it wasn't exactly my favourite, but I think there's really good stuff in it. The opening track, The Howling Darkness, like sort of these sort of 10 minute epic they start with, is some of the best stuff on the album. It, it features some really, actually quite nasty, heavy riffing in places, and like some ludicrous like shred keyboard and guitaring. Um, actually, the sort of solos in this have very much put me in mind of Dream Theater when it gets into the point where the both the keyboard and the guitar player are like playing super fast in this kind of 
really like brutal sort of harmony very much felt like some uh train of consequences era dream theater like ultra shred stuff and it's possibly helped by ganarius having that same makeup of the the five beast band the one guitarist like lone vocalist keyboard player etc etc um and there's, there's really great stuff on this it just like loses me about halfway through by falling into uh a few too many power metal tropes like the really ballady tracks are just a bit much for uh for my particular taste but yeah if you're feeling that that kind of um as i say more shreddy vibe you want something with big choruses and ludicrous guitar solos these guys are kind of a place to go and they are while certainly kind of proggy maybe a little neoclassical uh, they're more restrained than, say, acts like uh, the aforementioned Dream Theater or Symphony X and that. Like, their albums aren't particularly long um, and they tend to keep songs well within the five-minute mark, although actually that, that like, long opener is, um, is kind of <laughs> epically long. Also, just ludicrously active. They seem to like consistently put out at least an album a year which um for a band who's only been around since 2001 is um <laughs> is yeah well maybe that's slightly though it's probably more like an album every two years but it's yeah slightly higher than that like if you've got 15 albums out in less than 21 years of activity that's that's pretty amazing yeah they're really cool stuff like their vocalist is particularly brilliant but as i say when it gets into those ballads, it's not his voice letting kind of things down. It's just the nature of those songs. Like the guy has has the ability to carry that. So um, yeah, possibly unfair of me on that. But I, I do think there's some really cool stuff here, particularly that track, The Howling Darkness, is excellent. Another really enjoyable one from this list was Silver Talon. So Silver Talon are from uh, Portland, Oregon, re relatively new band. Like this is their debut album, Decadence and Decay, from 2021, and. <laughs> you know it's always difficult when a band remind you of something so much you can't sort of get past that but the the reason i was like totally entranced with this band is uh vocalist uh wyatt howell sounds so much like Warl dane like he's he's he has that same level of like operatic epic voice gone completely wrong like taken to this really strange place that the yeah, like, like sort of I heard in um in in Moral Dane's voice as well. They'll probably be kind of famous for the guitarist uh, Sebastian Silvia is also in uh, Unto Others, but um otherwise, you know, they've got a few sort of connected projects. But um yeah, Decadence and Decay, it's certainly not a Nevermore clone band. This is far more your kind of traditional sort of power or maybe heavy metal styling. The songs are much more straightforward and riffy, um, very kind of um, fitting to the more like verse chorus kind of structure, but they do have like quite a sort of punishing production to them, like huge kick and snare sound, like really thick, heavy down tune guitars in there, and then just the brilliant vocals. The vocals are so damn good for this band. Also, I really like the, the sort of album cover they've got. It's got an amazing aesthetic to it. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things, like, if you... They, they, they're worth checking out if you like Nevermore because you're someone who can deal with Oradain's vocal performance, which I know is a very, very divisive one. If you can deal with that 
and you enjoy that, you'll probably love this. It actually, it's got far more in common with a band like uh, Sanctuary is like his older project. It's got that kind of classic heavy metal sort of riffing to it, and and the performances are ludicrously good. This band are ridiculously professional. Yeah, Silvertown, Decadence, and Decay, really, really cool release. Next, I want to talk about a trio of older albums, all recommended to me by uh, Zach from Shuffle Repeat and Are You Morbid podcast, who has an amazing affinity with um, old school power metal, particularly the American variety. So one of them that I had to get a copy of just because of the fucking album cover was Cage with their 1998 debut Unveiled. So Cage play American power metal. Like, in general terms, American and European power metal are very different genres. I'm sure to some of you this will be preaching to the converted, but for those of you who are less familiar, American power metal is a lot more heavy. It tends to rely on keyboards a lot less, the vocals are more aggressive, the just the songs are generally more aggressive, and they're less cheesy. Like, they're chill, so cheesy is all fuck, but Sonic Artigo are like about as cheesy as music can get, particularly with their latest album, latest couple of albums. Um, and there's somewhat of a different vein there. Like, um, they the American power muscle is ludicrously more masculine, I think, is the... And take that as the positive or negative, yeah, you will. But, um, yeah, a cage certainly fit into that kind of vein. So, yeah, the, the aforementioned album cover to their debut is this incredible image of this, like, robotic figure uh, overshadowing the Earth shooting lightning behind, like, a really terribly done CGI backdrop of bizarre red world and a big like gray alien face so i immediately knew this was that great blend of like they're christian but they're also sort of really into alien shit so god knows where their their sort of um philosophy is but it's gonna be uh in your face and over the top and so i got into this album and their i believe fourth album hell destroyer which has a much more um traditionally acceptable metal cover of a giant Iron Angel um, fighting a load of, like, Doom Marine-style demons. And they deliver exactly what you would hope from for this kind of style. It is a really sort of aggressive, like, really heavy vocal fry shrieking attack from Sean uh, Peck, the, the vocalist who claims his nickname is the Hell Destroyer. Um, I can't imagine anyone uses that very often, but sure. Um... And, and yeah, like, he, he has this, like, amazingly sort of intense sort of vocal delivery and, and is able to drop a lot of very memorable choruses. And then we have, like, the the sort of um, other, like, I think core kind of member of the band is uh, Dave Garcia, the, the guitarist. Like, those two are the ones who have sort of been with them since the very early days, who is a sort of ludicrously muscle-bound... Um, a long-haired dude, like, <laughs> he very much looks like exactly what you'd expect a American power metal guitarist to look like, which uh, totally fits the style. Yeah, and for all the kind of, like, slight funniness of these albums, they just, like, they are full of really good riffs, really good choruses, like, the, the kind of playing abilities of the band are kind of incredible. And I think he's that interesting thing of a band who 
the, the debut album's 1980, uh, 1998, so they're sort of long past that kind of, you know, the early rougher days of, of power metal and into that era where, you know, everyone who, like, everyone could just play to a really impressive level, and both, um, both the albums are unveiled and Hell Destroyer are really interesting on that front. Hell Destroyer is somewhat let down by that that common thing of trying to um, to give an album a plot. So throwing loads of like little instrumental tracks and voiceover bits in between songs, which means the end runtime of the album is almost 80 minutes, which of this very in-your-face power metal is somewhat unbearable. And then ending on a King Diamond cover where they don't really improve on the... They, they very much do not improve on the original in any... Anyway, oh no, it's no, it's not a King Diamond cover. I'm a complete idiot. No, it is a song called King Diamond, which is just a song about how much they like King Diamond, showing they're probably, you know, not all that committed to the uh, the Christian premise. But yeah, ending on a kind of like jokey song at 80 minutes is still that kind of thing of this is exhausting, and I'm not like I like this album, but I'm not regularly going to reach more than the first half of it. I'd certainly say if if any of this description sounds of interest to you. Go back to Unveil. That's where the 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 formula was a bit tighter on that. The album is is well shy of an hour, although still uh, fifteen tracks long. But um, yeah, it's it's far more sort of digestible because this is this is true power metal. It doesn't have any. I wouldn't say this is prog power metal in there in any regard, really. Um, yeah, it's it's just all about those kind of like making great more traditional heavy metal inspired songs like actually the 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 thing i didn't really say and the difference between the kind of european and american power metal is one seems to be specifically more influenced by like the new wave of british heavy metal and i think like the american scene sort of has really taken that and run with it and really the the sort of the big change is just that heavier focus on the the sort of production where you've got the thick wall of guitars rather than the often single guitar kind of sound like and that that's yeah otherwise it, yeah very much taking influence from that genre so another one zach recommended to me which I, I do think is truly great is the band jacob's dream with their self-titled debut from 2000 jacob's dream which is another you know sort of christian theology themed uh kind of well, power metal band, but um, what these guys have really got going for them is their vocalists on this album sounds like an amazing allegory of of Rob Halford. He has got that. He is David Taylor has got some incredible pipes like that. That alone, it was just enough. Like the combination of writing great choruses, really memorable stuff, um, and his voice. Yeah, they, they, this sold this album hugely to me. Now, for all my American bands, that don't go in for keyboards so much. This album has a hell of a lot of keyboards layered over it. There is a lot of like cheesy kind of hooks that are entirely on like the keyboard parts of it, but I don't think that really um, that could really be held against them because like they just they deliver this as such like bombast and confidence and very much not falling into the the trap cage. Have the 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 album is much more short and condensed, about forty five minutes. Uh, far less songs and uh that makes it a far more sort of digestible listen i don't say like there, there's ups and downs in this we get like an instrumental track where the the two guitarists get to sort of show off a bit more interestingly for all that kind of keyboard laying no one's actually credited on the album as such but um 
yeah, I, I mean, I think that was quite common in the early 2000s, that sort of um, having essentially a, a sixth guy who is <laughs> the person recording you or um, or you're going to be playing that much to a, like a backing track live. But yeah, this is, this is again, very much in the realm of it's power metal. It's not prog power metal. This is, you are looking for those kind of big builds to uh, massive choruses, like you know, over-the-top middle eight sections, but without ever really delving into the, the self-indulgent. Um, sadly, the cover is nowhere near as exciting as Unveiled. This is, uh, like, <laughs> really... I've got the I've got the actual CD of this. It's a very low-res image that looks like it's thrown together an incredibly cheap version of Photoshop. The uh, Jacob Dream logo looks almost like a kind of word art uh, choice, but, uh, you know... The year 2000 was not not kind to uh to metal bands artworks like going back to that he that period of um uh, sort of um the the kind of second wave of tech death from around then it's uh, there is some incredible artwork but for yeah i think there's a couple of things that work against this band like the the, the band name is kind of terrible the album cover is really uh, ugly and having sort of um Christianity is a major theme you're bad means you, you never get quite as big an audience and this feels like one where it was really deserving of more attention than it got and I, I'd highly recommend if you are into that kind of style like give this album a go it's really good fun <laughs> Zach recommended for another time. Honestly, as well, go check out Shuffle Repeat. I'm sure Zach and Ian will cover these two albums in much greater detail at some point in time, and or many others. Like I, they will definitely have a good power metal episode coming up at some stage soon. Next up, I want to cover a band that I actually mentioned in the last episode, but I've got more into in the meantime, and so I want to, you know, give them their justified time. So I brought this band up. This is Wexler's Prime from Canada, who are kind of more progressive metal. So I'm going to do like another couple of progressive metal ones, then we'll get into some really heavy stuff for the, the second half of the episode. So sorry if you're not such a fan of clean vocals. Interestingly, with Wexler's Prime, though, they, you do get the connection of um, main man behind it, Brendan Dean. Um, he plays everything on this. Um, he's also in a load of extremely heavy bands like Fumes, Gut Void, Puke Rafe, he, where he is a kind of very nasty sounding brutal vocalist but with 
Uh, Wexler's Prime, the second album, Fossil Constellation from 2020. This is a very different beast to all that. Uh, so this is a gigantic um, uh, prog epic kind of album. It's it's well over 80 minutes. The joys of the digital age where you don't need to uh, uh, get your album to fit on the CD. Just, you know, throw it all in there. And um, yeah, Brendan, I, 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 Brendan amazes me because this does not feel like the work of of one guy this album goes through a lot of stuff so the sort of the first three tracks sort of fit in a vein of um i remember him being interviewed on heavy hole and saying that um a major influence was, was rush um and it feels like those bands like something like earlier haken where um they you know they do these very long songs, these huge instrumental sections in them, and then there'd be all these kind of cool vocal hooks, like lots of very high, very kind of um, over-the-top vocals with cool harmonies and stuff. Um, and what Wexler's Prime have going for them in, you know, the sea of bands doing that is... what I like the thing that at least, like, anchored me to them is... Brendan is a fantastic bass player. I think he, like, plays fingerstyle and all these songs tend to end up having like these great sections that are led by these really groovy, long-repeating bass patterns. So they'd be really complex. Like, often the, the bass doing something way more interesting than the guitars. Um, and then you've got, like, sort of loads of keyboards and there's these cool vocals layered over for, for kind of atmosphere and that. But, yeah, there's, like, these awesome little bass riffs throughout, which is, like, really really hooked me in it very much has that energy of a one-man project like the the drums are noticeably programmed not not unpleasantly so like you they, they very much do the job for this but it is that problem of well not even problems so problems unfair like it is that thing of you can tell this is one guy behind it which um as I say, just to me leads to the absolute amazement because when he gets to those things you're like okay this guy is a brilliant bass player he has a fantastic high singing voice. Like, um, I think that'd be a divisive thing for a lot of people. It's very, it's a very intense sounding voice. But um, for me, uh, it just totally works. Like, um, after it took like two or three listens, and I was completely hooked. And I, I think he he's written a load of amazing hooks for this album as well. Like, he's he's ludicrously busy man as well. Like, this album, this is second uh, Wexler's Prime album. They've done sort of two in the the last five years or so. And, like, all those other projects I, I mentioned are putting out EPs, demos, and splits all the time. So he he is seemingly always working on something. It's fascinating. But anyway, yes, the point I was getting at was for all that amazement of the bass playing and the vocals, um, when it comes to stuff like the guitar solos, the guitars get fucking silly. Like, this guy can really, really shred. Like, he is, he is a bit of a demon on, on the guitar. And... Um, and then just to sort of push that over the edge, we get uh, uh, Daniel Bernafiligo, um also comes in, who's involved in a lot of uh, Brendan's other projects to add some even shreddier guitars to um, one of like the, the sort of highlight tracks in this album. So, yeah, as I say, like, those three tracks, sort of in that vein, that's sort of like, you know, loosely Haken-ish um, prog metal. But then the the big kind of centerpiece of the album, Cedars, the twenty minute long song, is starts introducing all these other elements. There's moments of more atmospheric passages. Um, 
they and we suddenly get Brennan's scream voice comes in. He goes for these very uh brutal sort of death metal vocals briefly in it. Um and the song does that exactly what you'd want from a prog rock, prog metal, twenty minute long song of it tells a cool story which comes to an amazing peak at the end of it like has a kind of emotional payoff and then the next track uh in sectarian um is just a kind of brutal uh song where he goes for almost like a more hardcore delivery for most of the track some of the latest songs in the album we get back into more of the um traditional prog metal style but i feel it's um yeah that that sort of um changes throughout the album makes it really fascinating the the amount of different styles he sort of plays and oh, i say this i absolutely love the bass tone and the playing on this like ridiculously tight everything is is like that kind of honed um professionalism you get from modern prog metal like you have to be so good at your instrument to play this genre and stand out but um yeah, I if you if you've got time for something like this, I I highly advise Wexler's Prime. I, I think I think he's really onto something interesting here. Apparently as well, I, I think it was Wexler's Prime who was saying he had like uh, on that heavy hole interview, he had like a three hour long concept thing he was working on. So I'm really excited to see where um where he might go with this. I don't know if it's necessarily the next Wexler's Prime or if it's gonna be a new project, but um yeah, that'd be very cool. Also, really like the cover with this one. They, it's a very simplistic black and white picture of sort of um, like a load of trees growing out of a kind of skull. But yeah, just just really cool stuff. I know I said I'd do uh, sort of more prog rock and I seem to keep changing my mind as I'm recording this episode, but I noticed it's going rather long. So I think we need to switch into some of the heavier stuff I've been listening to because I've been listening to a hell of a lot of death metal um, and black metal over this time period as well. 
and yeah, apologies for the rapidly shifting tone. Had a bit too much to drink at lunch, and it's uh, <laughs> resulting in this not being my most focused episode ever. So the band I want to talk about next, complete dramatic tonal shift, but an amazing artist nonetheless, is Inaugurating Oblivion from Germany. And their most recent album, um, Vision Wallows in Symphonies of Light. So I came across this band because in recent years, I think, um, I think it's possibly just this album, defeated sanity drummer Lily Gruber has joined the band as purely a drummer. I know he, he dabbles with guitar as well, but um, in this project, he's there just as the drummer. Um, the project is led mainly by guitarist and vocalist Florian Engelk, who... Um, was originally, I believe, the the band leader in their earlier incarnation back in 1997 as Of Trees and Orchids. So I think this band would be a bit of a treasure trove in a way because that previous project has a couple of albums. They have an album all the way back uh, in 2005 as Inaugurating Oblivion. And that period of death metal, the very late 90s, early 2000s, I feel was like full of these interesting forgotten gems. So... Um, to be one worth going back to look at but yeah so after some degree of hiatus uh they've come back with two further albums and this uh most recent one 2017's vision wallows is pretty damn expansive stuff so there's a lot to like if you are into defeated sanity this is a very very brutal complex technical album um the the vocal Florian's vocal approach is very heavy. It's not defeated sanity heavy. There's a bit more um, a bit more of an understandable nature to it than that. Um, but it's still this is the brutal end of technical death metal. But what these these guys have that very much separates them from other Lily Gruber projects is extremely long very progressive songs this album is almost an hour long and there's only four tracks the the middle one the uh a moat constitutes what to me is not all and eternity all is nothing um is almost 25 minutes long it's this huge piece um so it, it's something you don't quite get like because defeat sanity is so complex so focused you don't really get to hear lady Gruber's dra jazz drumming kind of evolve in a way that it quite does on this because this unsurprisingly with these longer songs they inject moments of downtime particularly in a track like a moat um the, you get this sort of like free to form an intro where you get the guitar playing so these interesting somewhat dissonant echoing chords and then these just ridiculously hard to follow very showy drum grooves throughout where Lily Group is just doing really interesting work on the snare and toms where I don't know, everything is so hard to nail down to, to what kind of... What is actually doing, if it feels so ridiculously showy and to someone who's not a drummer, it just sounds like incredibly impressive stuff I can never quite pass, but it just sounds cool. If you like that really jazzy style of drumming that is throughout this, the moments that are super heavy, the drums are so complex and ever-changing. The guitar work is spectacular as well, like, there really is interesting, um, all the members of this band are, like, very, very experienced, everyone's got a good few projects under their belt, and, like, 
Lily Gruber is the standout because he's you know, he's just one of the better drummers around in the tech death scene. So unsurprisingly, he is the first thing to latch on. But every performance on this is is amazing, and I think what's really for me sells it is these these moments of downtime, these gaps between the extremely heavy and extremely brutal, um, just make things very interesting. I mean, actually, what um, I thought was very cool is that like there's a nice twist at the end. Um, a devourer of fitting shades who dwells in rays of light the final track is almost five minutes of this quite like ambient atmospheric stuff with that aforementioned like complex jazz drumming underneath it and then suddenly you think okay okay we're getting a fade to quiet for the final 10 minutes of the album but now it suddenly comes back really heavy for like the last two minutes it's uh yeah a very a very fitting piece um there's a level of a huge level of kind of pretension to this like the the album cover really doesn't sell the genre that picture of a a sort of a, a like the white image of a statue these these very long song titles that there's a lot of a lot of interesting kind of philosophical stuff going on lyrically although not the easiest to pass while listening to the music at the same time but it's it's a, a bad to sit down with the lyric book yeah i i i just like what uh, inaugurating oblivion a kind of um bring it to the table in terms of the style there's 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 some interesting ideas of giving you other stuff to latch on to in that that the kind of wall of complex tech death which sometimes can without without kind of breaks and that'd be very hard to to pass on one listen <laughs> trio of nasty sounding bands beginning with D, starting with the Philippines-based black and death metal band Defago, uh, D-E-I-P-H-A-G-O, with their latest album from 2019, I the Devil. These guys are a power trio of quite sort of brutal intent, um, who have been around as far back as like the very early 90s, although relatively on and off for this band like they've only got five albums and most of them in the later um 2000s and they are 
what I'd probably term war metal. It's that it's got that level of intensity and incredible aggression to it. These songs are like for a power trio as well, like an absolutely brutal wall of noise, like really harshly distorted guitars. All the riffs have that slightly discordant, almost atonal nature to it. Lots of blasting, heavy, like forward pace, but the vocals kind of anchor it in a more black metal camp than, say, like the technical death because they're the kind of nastier and rasping rather than like guttural or low. Um, because the, as I say, the nature of the free piece, there tends to be a lot of moments where the bass cuts through and the bass is this very low end, like extremely heavy, harsh clack of the, the, the pick on the string. It, like when it cuts through, it's got a really cool sound to this. And it's certainly like unsurprisingly for, for this kind of release, it's not self-indulgent or, um, you know, particularly focused on any, any kind of lead guitar stuff. This is making a horrible in your face ridiculously occult satanic kind of noise but where they kind of really shine is the fact does still have a shit ton of really catchy heavy bits you listen to a track like um quantum death like it's got a memorable kind of middle eight section like sort of wasn't not even quite middle eight sort of the, the part coming out the chorus is super memorable so Along with being incredibly brutal, there is there is a lot of other stuff going for it. It's the the production is is hellish, but it very much works for this band. And I, I kind of like what they're doing of taking that idea of war metal and incorporating those slightly kind of dissonant modern death metal, you know, a la portal artificial brain, like little bits of those weird chords come into this. And just slightly elevates this above other metal of this this kind of nature. And I love that the vocals are that absolute distortion, like buried howl with that that sort of, as I say, that kind of lyrical content of um, kind of a culty, kind of sciencey sounding actually um, uh, sort of take on on uh, the kind of the black metal satanic kind of imagery. Um, the cover kind of fits into that as well, like a sort of image of like a satanic figure and demons on this kind of like cosmic backdrop it's it's a really cool looking image so yeah if, if you're into that sound but you know always wish it evolved a bit further i, I feel uh defago um i the devil is is an album that sort of is pushing that to new territory
Next band I want to talk about are Diabolizer from Turkey with their debut album Caledonian Death um, from 2021. These guys are far more kind of brutal in an immediate way. Their their sound is very much the wall of guitars and kicks snares. Like this band have the hyper tight hyper blast throughout their music, but. They maintain to be very riffy, very catchy death metal. This is kind of, I would argue, death metal with no no addendums to it. This isn't massively technical, although the playing is incredibly proficient, but, you know, it's certainly not flashy. Um, the vocalist who goes by Abomination Demon Seed with this band um, has a brilliant kind of low rasping voice that's got real gravel to it, but still like great like enunciation. Um, yeah, there's the drum performance is kind of almost overwhelming on this. He's non-stop blasting, and at any points where things sort of slow down, it's just endless sea of fills. Um, and the the guitars and bass all get that like a solid looking like. The, the the bass does actually often cut through this mix and have its own space. Like it's got a really great sound to it. This recording, um, I I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Like kind of the extent to which like these guys have their sound figured out on their debut album. That being said, they have been around since two thousand and twelve. Um, you know, and then I have one EP ahead of this. Um, should say it's on Everlasting Spew Records. Which if you're into this kind of riffy complex overwhelming kind of death metal like that's just the label for you like they they have been on a slew of great releases and i think this is a real highlight of their sort of 2021 catalog uh matt wilberley uh listener definitely pointed this one out to me as something i needed to to pay attention to i think he, he mentioned it having his like favorite riff from last year in the song sulfurous vengeance which is yeah it's an absolute beast of a track like there and this this has like that sort of um as you can kind of tell like diabolizer have that sort of tone to their their lyrics and that uh having a song with the excellent title spear fuck the throes of treason it's like they've got a very grandiose way with the uh the death metal language i, I really enjoy that coupled with a relatively subtle sort of foolian-esque cover which still has a, a level of kind of brutality to it but um as i say everything about this is is in its way like quite accessible despite its absolute extremity because it is so sort of perfect and catchy and like all there but to anyone who wasn't used to this genre i'm sure would be totally overwhelming and extreme but it, it yeah it just feels like that kind of very immediate uh Death Metal is just something, within seconds of this album, I think you'll know whether this sound will be for you or not. But yeah, it's just so incredibly brutal. And that 50-minute wall of blasting, but it's just done with such kind of perfection. There's there's something Diabolizer just gets so right on this. It's kind of hard to put my finger on what exactly elevates this above a lot of like the more kind of brutal end of Death Metal. But yeah, it, it, it's it's that that, that special um, like X factor that everlasting spew releases have. <laughs> Rage, 
So I promise you uh, three heavy bands beginning with D, and dyslexia is struck again. The third band is Black Hole Deity, which begins with B. Um, <laughs> but if you like the last two, I feel this one will appeal as well. It's another Everlasting Spew release from 2021. This time uh, it's in the form of an EP, The Lair of Xenolich, um, which apparently is only about 15 minutes long, but they pack so much into this. It really feels like... A full experience. So where is Diabolize all that wall-to-wall -wall blasting? These guys have a similar level of heaviness. Like the the mix is a million miles off that word. So the drums are a little less in your face. The performance isn't so overbearing. There's a lot more space in this. The the as I say, it's not endless blasting. So at the current point in time, the the band Black Hole Deity are a free piece. Um, and the album recorded with a session drummer, Mike Heller, who um, is current um, current uh, drummer for Fear Factory and Malignancy. Um, also played in Azure Remote, that band I enjoyed for a few years back. Um, so, you know, cool character, but sadly not a... Um, no sort of a permanent uh, a fixture of the band. But yeah, the the other interesting thing these guys have, they, they lean into the almost tech death camp, like... I, I would say I'd still sort of classify them as a, a death metal band as much as that, you know, means anything. But um, what, what these guys sort of have going for them is, you heard, say, with that Diablo's song, solo is just kind of your standard shred. These guys, they get into those, like, almost necrophagist-esque Christian Munger sort of solo patterns. Like, there is there are some leads on this that are... A rather tasty, um, yeah, just some very, um, yeah, very fancy, flashy bits of guitar. But they're done in such a way they don't overstay their welcome. And you can tell, um, tell like, uh, lead guitarist Alec uh, Cordero has a real, like, grasp of how to write these without, you know, boring an audience or just showing off for the sake of showing off. The band have seem to have like a lot of experience. They've all got a fair amount of past bands under their under their belt, but I am I'm not I must say I'm not familiar with a lot of the other acts that like, these guys are involved with. But yeah, I was just amazed by this as like a it's sort of debut EP, and th this is a band who like this EP is off of like apparently being active for about two years. Like they've come to a very fully formed sound, and as much as you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you will probably be holding out for the full length. I'd say. Jump in on this because it's it's an incredible sixteen minutes of music, like well worth your time. Um, if you're looking for that kind of tech death that's remembered to have sort of riffs and uh, cool grooves and like a really decent vocal delivery, I think the the vocalist is um, Chris White is best known for doing sort of black metal stuff otherwise, but he has like a really solid death metal voice for this band. I don't know. I don't know how black metal his other stuff is, but his uh his metal archives page he's wearing corpse paint, so I just assume he's got a really high pitched scream in his other band. But um yeah, like uh with Black Hole Deity, he's got a nice a nice range to it. He throws in a bit some varied approaches on it, but yeah, it's it's still very traditional death metal um performance. And in that short runtime they even find time for um a little bit of an instrumental interlude with a hypersleep dementia, which even features like a guest violin package. So, a passage, it's not a package. Um, which, yeah, it's just just cool that like, they've got that many 
varied ideas going on in such a short space of time. So another short one, um, another EP from 2021 as well. This is Dharma, spelt D-H-A-R-M-A, with their debut EP, Bahasajeguru. Um, sorry, that's a lot of letters in a row and I don't know how to deal with that. But if you look up the, the Taiwan-based band Dharma, you should you should be able to find these guys. So I think they're now now a five piece, but at the point of recording this, they're sort of a three piece band. And another one like Black Hole Deity, where it's it's a very fun, fairly brutal death metal release. But these guys have their sort of fun twist of adding the apparently the lyrical themes are mainly sort of based around Buddhism and they add some little little touches to that. There's like a few sort of almost clean vocal chants thrown in between the song, like, um, sort of in the songs, like, mixed between the kind of heavier death metal elements and a few kind of interesting, subtle, like, keyboard atmospherics thrown in in places. Um, but at its core, this is fast, aggressive, very modern, technical death metal. Like, the um, the drumming is, is kind of furious and taking up a huge position in the mix. There's a lot of like massive, very memorable riffs in the 14-minute runtime of this. Some equally flashy sort of lead guitar work and um, an amazing vocal performance by um, the Canadian vocalist actually Joe Henley. Who, um, yeah, it's sort of again, it's it's another one of those sort of low but clear growls. I just I, I really enjoy his voice. Like th this is one of those ones where. Because it's only 14 minutes of music, it's very fast. It just, just sail by. But as I say, there's little touches of, of adding, sort of, particularly in the second track, there's a lot of, like, clean vocals chanting in places. It, it gives it a bit of a an interesting sort of addition. Like, it almost as well, that like, it starts with these, these kind of, like, almost sung chants with this kind of, like, quite um, melodic melody behind it and then all the heaviness comes in and it goes back to being this as i say this very tight modern death metal unit but yeah I've, i i kind of like a lot what dharma are doing with this and much like black old deity they're a band i'm very much looking forward to them doing a full length in exactly the same vein as what they've done with this kind of opening 15 minutes <laughs> starting to run out of steam a little on this episode so i'll end on something really brilliant um this is one i i think i i saw i've seen it plugged a lot over the years but um 
most recently, Machine Music has, uh, has mentioned this one quite a lot. This is Abyssal and their third album, Anti-Catastasis, from 2015. So I was aware of this band. I mean, they're, I think they're loosely located in, like, my general area of the UK. Um, and, I mean, they're, they're on Profound Law. They're kind of a, a fairly known entity. Their latest album, A Beacon of Husk, I remember really enjoying... Um, Metal Archives has them listed as, like, Black Death slash Doom Metal, which, as you can imagine, means basically anything. But they do fit into that camp of, like, I've talked about this every, like, most times I'm doing a bit of a year-end sort of roundup. You, you find those bands that are, like, seemingly nebulously all of those genres. They're just a general, horrendous, extreme metal noise that is, you, you know slow enough in places you have to keep the doom and atmospheric enough that it's certainly there's some black metal to it but also straight ahead brutal enough in enough places that it could only be death metal and and i'd say abyssal um very much sit in that kind of plane um with this kind of stuff i always find it hard not to reference it maybe borrowing somewhat from the portal kind of sound but actually with this album they kind of go somewhere so far beyond that so as I say I was quite into their most recent but going back to this one I didn't realize quite how spectacular this is like it is in places truly transcendent music like there's there is something about the writing and the way they've constructed this kind of brutal all-consuming dissonant music that has these spots of like kind of hope and beauty within the chaos but only sort of glimmers in the distance things sort of coalesce into something wonderful out of the kind of churning maelstrom of horrendous noises every so often the cover actually very evocative of that this kind of sea of spikes around this like descending towards us like a central point um the the music is near enough all performed by gdc who is you know credited with all instruments um although we do have a, a drummer in the project but the the, the main guy behind it is uh, like he he has such a cool vocal delivery like going through a lot of these different sounds adding the odd effect to them to really make them seem quite ethereal and and kind of inhuman like a lot of the lows are these very very low indecipherable noises that are quite deep in the mix and the higher, like the higher vocals are, are just these far away kind of howls. The guitar work and sort of drumming on this is really exciting because it's never, never sitting particularly still. They keep throwing different layers. The, the, you know, you have all these passages where suddenly like a very fast like tremolo pitch, you get black metal riff will appear out of nowhere. The closing track of the album um, really descends into black metal and it's like final like two minutes of its like 12 minute runtime like it goes into almost like a somewhat traditional sound but then you get stuff like a uh, veil of transcendence so i think a real highlight from the album where things really slow down at a certain point and there's this actually kind of amazing moment where you for the like the last three minutes of the song we get this quite beautiful keyboard piece come in layered over the um the kind of chaotic wall of guitars and drums and and it's something that I, I got genuinely it's such a shocking sort of revelation in it that um i i genuinely had to pause it the first time i was listening going like this can't be 
this can't be like, like I must be playing a separate song in the background that's synced up really nicely. This is such a a weird choice for this genre, but um, yeah, that just just fits absolutely perfectly. Yeah, really, really excellent stuff. Like, yeah, as I say, if you've heard other stuff from Abyssal, like I I, I think all the releases they put out are really, really good. But this one just is an absolute another level. So you only heard, say, a beacon in the husk. Go back to this one. It is some truly special stuff. Interestingly, between those two, he also has another project I really enjoyed uh, called Inculcator, which is kind of um, like like almost like one of those like tech thrashy bands. Something that takes real. Um, influenced from that kind of Voivod style where he does like far more it's again it's I think it's just him and he does these far more like high high pitched like old school speed metal like shrieking vocals over these really complex but really stripped back sounding like thrash mix like the, the guitar works very present but it's not not as like full and huge as whereas Abyssal is like this kind of you know impenetrable massive different things inculcator is more just like an, an interesting guitar and bass line in a, yeah it's just i don't know it's a project i really liked because it's amazing to see someone have not just one incredible fully formed vision but two like yeah having the second thing where they did something really interesting and seemingly chucked it on like an off year between releases with with abyssal yeah it's just like this one really special and something i'm incredibly happy i went back and spent spent the time to to get to know this um this particular album so i think i'll about wrap it up for this episode i, I just in general summary like i don't know that i actually learned a huge amount from this experiment but it certainly gave me a bit of a fire for new music here and having taken sort of six months to focus and and somewhat learn the stuff in my collection i'd, I'd been neglecting I'm kind of excited to get back to new stuff. Like, really excited, actually. There's so many albums, like, I've got a real kind of hunger to get into. Like, you know, just this week we had a, a new Worm Rot drop, and after 2016's Voices, like, you know, I'm so excited to see where that band's, like, evolved in six years. <laughs> the general summary I've got for taking a break was it's been cool to get a little bit of perspective on this, to get some excitement again and I think I think it might be something to a smaller extent I start doing each year where maybe the first like two or so months of any given year I don't buy any new music I don't get anything that I hadn't you know picked up in the old year-end roundups and all that so just to to you know to avoid the burnout of buying too much and getting overwhelmed by it like it's it's nice to it's nice to give the albums you bought their due time although uh, I mean, it's it could be worse, like buying art, buying stuff through Bandcamp and never actually listening to it. At least you're giving the artist something, even if you're not engaging with the product as much as you'd hoped. But yeah, I think I need to think of a little something to keep myself just always infused and always ready to check out new stuff. And uh, yeah, taking a little bit of a break has been really cool for that. But yeah, as I say, from now on, um, you can definitely uh, recommend me as much as you like, and I can actually actually check it out again so if you want to get in touch uh, at breakfast metal on twitter uh phil's breakfast metal on facebook uh, phil's breakfast metal on instagram and phil's breakfast metal at gmail.com if you want to get in touch via email 
Uh, got a couple of episodes. I think like the next three episodes I'm doing are going to all be collaborations with people. So those should hopefully be a fair amount more focused than these uh, these last few have been. But I'll let you know more about those as, as and when they start getting recorded. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening.